1: So understand the behavior and and how these first time borrowers react to, to different messaging, the formats, the messaging, time of day, day of week. When should we remind you? What is the best time to send you a reminder? Is it one day prior to the due date or, you know, is it three days before that? And then devise and develop a complete strategy around customer engagement. So segment the customer and, and build optimized life cycles for these micro segments. And all that is to ensure that These people understand their loans, make their payments on time. There shouldn't be any instance where we have to limit the access to the device. Hence, how do we use AI and ML so that, you know, the the delinquencies are in check. These people don't miss their payments.
0: In the weeks leading up to this episode, BMW was in the news for all the wrong reasons. They had just announced their subscription service for heated seats, and the public weren't taking it well. But it did get me thinking. In a world where your car could go online and check whether you were allowed to turn on your seat heaters, what would happen if a consumer defaulted on their auto loan? Could the bank send a message telling the car to turn itself off and refuse to drive until you were back up to date? Well, maybe. In the 21 years I've worked in lending, I've done very little work in the secured space, so I am maybe overreaching, but I feel like I know enough about secured loans to know that collateral brings you two benefits. There's the direct benefit in terms of what you could get back from selling the asset in the secondary market, but there's also an indirect benefit, which stems from the consumer's reluctance to lose the use of that asset. So I'd seen that before in loans to buy older second-hand cars, where the resale market probably wasn't that strong in reality, but the consumer's desire to keep the car was. But today's guest has an even more interesting spin on that. So we're going to talk about how virtual collateral can help finance a smartphone, and how a little bit of telco thinking can create an entirely new way to communicate with your customers. Welcome. How to Lend Money to Strangers with Brendan Lagrange. Neil Juria singhani I am delighted to have you on the show. We are here to talk about data culture and your clever take on secured microloans. But before we do that, I'd love to learn a bit more about the forces that have shaped you.
1: Hey, hi, Brendan. Good to connect here on your podcast. Yeah, so chemical engineer, did almost a year of, you know, using whatever I had learned at the engineering school and then quickly realized that that's perhaps not my cup of tea. I went on to do join a B-school Did my MBA. From there, joined Telco. ATEL at that time was the largest telecom operator in India. Was part of sales teams, marketing teams, strategy teams. Was part of new product launches or, in fact, complete new organizations that we set up. And that also kind of helped learn a lot about business in general. Telco, yes, you know, telco, you have to learn when working for a telco, but a lot about new products, consumer behavior, market launches, completely new to market products like e-commerce, which I was fortunate enough to be part of, of the launch in India. It was perhaps the first M-commerce product that was launched in in the country by a telco, and uh, yeah, so it was was for six years there. Learned a lot about, uh, as I said, consumer behavior. Uh, telcos changed lives for a lot of people in India and in a lot of other emerging markets, and uh, you know we we saw really great stories coming out of people using mobile phones to improve their lives. Fishermen in, in Kerala, you know, selling at better rates because they had more information using mobile phones. So, you know, some great stories that that kind of kept coming out uh, as more and more people in the rural, in the hinterland, also started using telecom services. Then was working worked for, for around two years at, at Nokia. I was part of their, uh, as they called it, local commerce teams, uh, setting up business for location commerce and location-based advertising for Middle East and Africa and Asia, worked there for two years and then, then started up. Data Culture, of course, is my second startup. The first startup was in the mobile advertising space. And uh, pretty much what we were doing at our first startup led us to, to Data Culture, things that, that we thought will happen and things that we thought will scale up and, and shape the Indian market and the subcontinent that led to what we are now doing at Data Culture.
0: Yeah, so let's talk about data culture. You were in the telco space, and you were you know, starting up your own ventures in the telco space, but then you turned to fintech. What was the motivation behind that? What was the spark?
1: Yeah, it was not really by design, right? So in our first startup, where you know we started off by building advertising serving technology to smartphone manufacturers uh, across South Asia and a few other markets uh, in Middle East, we were kind of, you know, uh, doing it very successfully. We signed up pretty much every smartphone manufacturer that was there in, in India and, and, you know, in the subcontinent. And I'm talking 2017, 2018, the market was booming and, and a lot of these players started to focus in the entry levels smartphone market, which essentially would mean something which is sub-$75. US dollars and we all thought it was a great idea because there was a huge huge market out there, huge opportunity almost 700 million people back then in India alone who were not using smartphones or were on feature phones and you know wanted to uh, move on to using a smartphone. We thought okay now that we've signed up uh, all these smartphones who are now integrating our technology into their phones, we now have to just sit back and, and look at the market grow. The market didn't grow. It was kind of a an eye-opener for a lot of us. Uh, we all thought 700 million people, all these big brands coming out with the right product. Also, we thought, and we, we kind of you know figured out a couple of things that was not really right at that time in the market. Of course, the quality of the phone was not really great. But apart from that, the main concern was that uh, people who we thought will buy the phone, finding it unaffordable. So a seventy-five dollar phone, leave aside a seventy-five or fifty dollar phone, uh, people not able to purchase those phones because again, if you, if you look at the, the the market and people not just in India across emerging markets, they are you know all working in the unorganized sector, earning perhaps five dollars or less per day, which would mean a seventy-five dollar phone is you know almost fifty percent of their monthly earning and that's something that they can't really you know give up and and purchase a phone right so affordability therefore came out as a as a big concern which we were not really at that time thinking of being you know tech entrepreneurs and uh, we further than you know kind of reached out to a, a few uh, banker friends to understand more about, you know, this, we thought it was still a a big opportunity. The banker friends and, you know, other people that we met uh, from the financing fraternity essentially told us that, you know what, yes, we, we acknowledge that there's a big opportunity and a big market, but there are big challenges as well, right? So one, of course, the biggest challenge and something that we keep hearing of is these people don't have credit scores unbanked and underbanked people that we are kind of always wanting to do something about it. But, you know, we didn't know what and how. Uh, So they said, you know what, they don't have a score. What can we do? And there were at that time, a lot of tech companies coming up with interesting and, and, you know, uh, performing uh, platforms that could kind of use alternate data to you know create alternative uh, scores. And we said, okay, you know what, there are so many companies doing that. Why are you not using them? The stark reality was that these people didn't have a great quality digital footprint or data points that could be consumed by these platforms to churn out cores with high confidence levels. And and hence, banks and and other uh, financial institutions were not able to use it. So that was one big challenge. And the other big challenge was, of course, you know what, these people uh, need smaller ticket loans, say $100 loans, just to service such small loans, what if they miss one payment? And if you have to maybe send somebody or call and, you know, help them make a payment, just the the cost of collecting those funds will make it unviable.
0: Yeah, so you came into this industry sort of as outsiders, serving a part of the market that had been left out for all these sort of very real reasons logistics you know lack of data just lack of margin to make it affordable and you started your business to serve them how did the market react or what were those first few years at data culture like was you getting this business up and running that i guess many of the incumbents would have thought was kind of a crazy idea
1: it was at that time a, a very crazy idea. A lot of people still look at us as, as those crazy guys. But yeah, see, uh, again, coming from that tech you know, mindset, we were forced to kind of think how tech could be built to solve for these challenges. A lot of other good tech was, of course, getting built. There are still a lot of good companies coming out building tech to solve for these problems. We said, you know, what could we do knowing such markets? We had spent so much time, you know, working and learning uh, in the inner market to know what were the ground realities and what were the challenges now you know we had to kind of bridge that gap between you know what the people needed and what these large organizations who wanted to cater to this segment but were unable to do that how do we bridge this through tech we just wanted to be very practical you know i've personally taken loans where the bank has kept some kind of a collateral against which and we said this is something that that the market understands the banking folks understand this and uh, you know can we use the same fundamentals here pretty much coming down to the fact that Can that phone that I want to purchase be used as a collateral? The idea was not to take away the phones from the people who were taking loans. So, you know, how can we use tech to ensure that people understand that they have taken a loan and they've missed a payment and they need to make that payment? They need not give away the phone to get money. Uh, they should continue to use that phone because those phones are livelihood enablers, growth enablers, access enablers. More and more usage of the, that phone we have seen and we've, uh, as I was explaining earlier, great stories where people have improved their lives. So people who are using smartphones should continue to use those smartphones, but should still be able to access funds to you know, maybe use that smartphone or purchase a new smartphone, right? So, so, so that was the idea. How do we collateralize phones? And how can we use tech to do that instead of, you know, that brute force of taking away something from people because they've not paid?
0: Yeah, and I think that's what makes this a really interesting business model. So let's pause on this a bit and maybe even take a step back. What is it that data culture does in terms of structuring its loans and making that collateral
1: work? Sure. Here's the thing. So we we have pure play tech. Uh, We don't lend on our books. So our clients are banks and financial institutions who use our tech to offer loans to these people. In that sense, we're a classical enterprise SaaS platform. We integrate with, with banks, their collection systems, their loan management systems to maybe automate the entire journey. The risk assessment is all still done by the bank or the lender, whoever that is. The fact that they are able to collateralize the phone becomes a critical factor in their decisioning because lack of credit score, lack of data, then what else can they use to give out that first loan cross that initial barrier of giving out a loan to this unbanked underbanked segment and have access to the customer via their phones banks who were earlier declining loans to this segment because of the the lack of data and lack of score they have now started giving out loans People who are now walking into maybe a physical store where they want to purchase a phone and they need a loan. They were earlier getting declined. Now they are being told that, okay, Neil, you want a loan to purchase this, uh, you know, $100 phone. We can provide you with that loan as long as you agree to some, you know, additional terms and conditions that will be part of your loan contract. If you're okay, you can take away this phone and pay us every month for the, say, the next nine months. Here is a way that, you know, they're able to purchase that phone that they earlier were not able to. And, uh, you know, even when the bank or the lender tells them very transparently, what are those additional terms and conditions? They happily sign on those PNCs and take away the phone, pay off every month. And, you know, happily use their phones and and hoping that, you know, uh, not just their lives are getting improved, but their families' lives are also moving up.
0: When we talk about collateralizing here, this is not the old model where you hold a legal right to the asset and if they don't pay, you're going to come and knock on their door and ask for the phone back. But rather you've built a tech solution to collateral whereby you can restrict the usage of the phone, sort of a virtual collateral.
1: Sure. See, uh, virtual collateral would mean from from messaging to nudges. There are digital nudges that we have, uh, you know, softer nudge like kind of temporarily put a wallpaper, which essentially keeps reminding you that you've missed a payment. From there to perhaps, you know, lock the entire device. The idea is to keep reminding the customer that they've missed a payment and they need to make that payment quickly. And we kind of, you know, increase the intensity of uh, of those nudges gradually rather than coming in as a shock and you know the entire journey is programmable so we don't program the journey but the client decides what the user experience should be some of our clients do you know, sign a secured loan kind of a contract where they could potentially take away the phone if somebody is not paid but that's between the bank and the uh, and the consumer but most often, this kind of a loan is still unsecured. So nowhere in the contract or the TNC is mentioned that we will take away the phone. Even in, in cases where, you know, the bank has uh, signed a secured contract kind of a loan, a bank or telco for that matter, we don't see really telcos going out, you know, taking away people's phones. That's not really the idea. And the good news is that we see... Uh, uh, more like a habit formation happening amongst these first time borrowers. Again, think of, think of it from their lens, right? They've never received a loan. They really don't know what's a score, right? So no, no point talking about you don't have a credit score okay. and no loan therefore, right? They have to begin their credit journey. Data culture is helping such people. We try to keep, make it as healthy as possible by helping them and reminding them to make payments on time. There's a big element of educating the customers around the loan that they've taken. You know, also telling them that you you must have heard about, you know, uh jargons like credit scores. Uh, here is what they really mean. Here is how that will help. Here is how making payments on time will help you. So right now you've gotten a $75 loan. How can you get $200 loans? We'll tell you. They also need to know about, about the phone itself. If they are first-time you know, smartphone users, there's a lot that they don't know. How do we educate them about just purely you know, how to use internet, how to use search, how to use maybe a YouTube, for example, right? So so there is a big emphasis and big element around educating the customers. So we have signed quite a few agreements with large players who are, f- who are creating high-quality content around financial literacy, around digital literacy. To create as many opportunities to engage with the customer and in a language that they understand. So, you know, it's not just a text, which traditionally banks have or telcos have sent out, right? They send us SMSs, uh, hoping that we will read them. Some of us do read them, but even for a lot of us, it goes down as spam, right? So, so maybe text is not the way to go. Can we send a video message, for example? Can we send a big, you know, image? of a format to these guys Uh, we've seen such multiple formats richer the format the better the impact can you explain the customer how to make a payment through a video message rather than giving them steps on a text message
0: Yeah. And, you know, we mentioned right up front that there's some very real logistical issues with serving this market as well. And I imagine that includes a lot of people being outside of easy phone networks and such. But I see that you're actually able to use your messaging systems, even when a consumer is outside of their network range, which I assume is sort of again, more of your telco skills coming in. But I expect that that makes quite a big difference in this sort of market that you can reach consumers that a normal bank sending normal text messages maybe isn't going to be able to get to.
1: True, true. And, and uh, we've also seen that, you know, while telcos have done a wonderful job reaching to deeper parts of, of the rural and interland, there are places where still the network is, you know, either bad or not present at all, right? So, you know, we, we now have offline messaging formats as well, which we are introducing to our clients to use. Even if the customer is completely out of network, we should be able to use some of these richer formats to communicate.
0: Yeah, and then you're leveraging AI and other tools to build credit profiles on consumers. So you're know, over time, you're learning more and more about these consumers, as you say, sort of educating them the next step, the next step, the next step as well. So not just here's your loan and then we'll leave it to to the banks and the non-bank financials to pick it up. You're actually, you know, building credit profiles and habits and and scores. What does that side of the product look like?
1: Right. So you said it, right? So so there are broadly two elements uh, to 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 a loan, right? So one is Ability to pay, which essentially comes from credit scores and that alternative data to, to create alternative scores. And then there is intention to pay. At that time, we saw a lot of action in the, in the ability to pay or, you know, using alternative data to score. And we said, okay, let those guys solve for that problem. We of course are helping people to get their first loans and, and create a credit history, create more data that those platforms could consume. We therefore started to focus more on intention to pay. Can we help? set up a habit amongst these people right so so therefore there is a lot of effort to understand consumer behavior how do they react to to a message to a messaging format do they react better to video formats versus you know a a banner format time of day day of week when should we remind you what is the best time to kind of send you a reminder is it one day prior to the due date or you know is it three days before that the messaging itself Right? Can we change the message from Neil? We will report to the bureau that you've not paid. To Neil, you've not made a payment. To get access to other loans, other services that we offer, keep your payments on time. Right? Because again, credit scores really don't resonate well. Uh, you know, uh, for for me, for that customer. But you know, the fact that I can access more loans and more services from the bank makes a lot of sense. Right? So the messaging itself can we change? Make it more people friendly make it more empathetic again uh, is is an important factor that we keep working on so understand the behavior the formats the messaging and then devise and develop a complete strategy around customer engagement what is the life cycle that we can build so segment and perhaps micro segment the customer and build optimized life cycles for these micro segments of customers that we are uh, you know onboarding and all that is to ensure that these people understand their loans make their payments on time there shouldn't be any instance uh, where you know we have to limit the access to the device so the idea is never to reach there hence how do we use ai and ml to create very effective and efficient life cycles, messaging journeys for these people so that, you know, the delinquencies are in check.
0: Prevention rather than cure, but also, yeah, making it less intimidating to a group that's taking their first loan and I think your approach and your ability to really get close to the customer is a good one to be able to yeah, avoid at all costs that default and work together on you know a mutually beneficial arrangement. And you know, that work's obviously been recognized as well. I found data culture when I was looking through the uh, inclusive FinTech 50 winners or, or, or yeah, list from, from last year. But you've also won many other awards and uh, recognitions for the work you're
1: doing. No, yes. So you know, we've been uh, fortunate enough to to win a few awards. That always, uh, of course, always helps create more awareness amongst uh, the people that we want to reach out to. So the Inclusive FinTech 50 was was a big one for us. In the past, we've also been recognized as uh, Red Herring Top 100 Asia, and Nascom 50, uh, Emerge 50 Award. Any award is is a good one as long as you know they, they help us reach uh, and and create more awareness. We, of course, always boast about our, our awards that we won with, with clients that we reach out to. Yes, we've seen uh, something like an inclusive Fintech 50 opens up more avenues for us, markets where we were not really present. So I'm based in Singapore, the, the company's headquartered in Dubai. From there to reach out to a Spanish-speaking Latin American market right, or, or, or a client. Such things, of course, makes it easier for us to to close deals. So, so we essentially started off in India and Bangladesh uh, in 2019. And from there to now, we have clients in Mexico, Ecuador, Kenya, Nigeria, Indonesia, in Pakistan, Central Asia.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting to hear that you're able to sort of expand into so many different markets. I guess, again, the benefit of being a tech-based solution and being in the sort of space of smartphones, which are so ubiquitous around the world now, means you're able to leverage that same sort of approach into any market where contactability and logistics are issues and uh, smartphones are expanding, which I think is pretty much every market. So yeah, I wish you the best on your global expansion. Are you also looking to expand in any other directions or, or what's next for data culture in the next couple of years?
1: A big thing about what our clients are saying about our product and what are they what are they looking for from us there are mainly two, uh, you know, uh, asks that that keep coming out from our clients. One is how do they extend the same platform to other kind of loans? So, so smartphone uh, loans to purchase smartphones are of course there, but not every lender out there has a product that specifically focuses on that. Uh, but they all focus unbanked, underbanked, so, and and trying to figure out ways to reach out to those guys. So, how can we extend the same platform to those loans as well? So, so there is uh, there's this work that has gone in. So. Where uh, we have a product called Easy Loan, which is currently in beta, which essentially means I need a a small loan, loan, a nano loan, a micro loan, BNPL. And I could present my phone as that virtual collateral against which you can give me a nano loan. So this also opens up uh, a bigger market for us. But uh, even for our existing clients, you know, they're able to kind of open up uh, the market further uh, using the data culture platform. So that's one. The other thing uh, is, uh, can they, and which is probably part of the easy loan portfolio itself is, can we create that virtual collateral uh, experience on other devices as well? So can it be done on smart TVs and other devices? Smart TV is perhaps something that we will cover and and launch by Q3. So so these are the two innovations coming out from our tech teams very soon. Yeah. And and apart from that, so so there is a complete module that is digitizing collection processes. You want to, uh, you know, digitize promise to pay processes that I'm not able to pay right now, but I can I can pay by the 10th of August. Or maybe, you know, can you restructure my payment plan because I'm not able to follow this payment plan that I've been given? So we're digitizing a bunch of such processes. The idea is that digital processes give more options to the customer. If they want to restructure, if they want to delay because they don't have the money right now, which is, which is a very real challenge that people face, right? I'm a farmer. Uh, There's seasonality in my earning. I will have a lot of money right now, but probably three months rather than I'll not have that much, uh, you know, free cash. These are, these are real challenges, right? How do we solve for these real challenges is where, you know, a lot of such digital components come in uh, you are bringing in higher efficiencies at a much lower cost. So what we're building is a complete operating system for digital collections, digital, you know, debt collections. So, so that's the overall vision of the, of the company to build a a digital OS for debt collections.
0: You talked about going into new loan types, I guess, with Teslas and all that sort of. Subscription-based car functionality we get these days. I suppose one day you'll be able to do an auto loan where you can simply turn the car off and tell it to to come back.
1: Yeah, we wouldn't want to do that. Uh, too too riskier thing to do. Uh, but 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 even the idea is not that right. So the idea is to create a habit to pay on time, and and we see that happening right. So people who miss their payments this month, a uh, very less chance that they will miss a payment in subsequent uh, you know cycles. So, so that's the habit formation that we see happening right now uh itself and and what we therefore have to do and, and that's what we are doing is bring in more ml to improve the collection efficiencies to improve on-time payments so that people don't miss their payments so so that's that's where a lot of work is 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 going on uh and what else can we digitize so we work very closely with our clients to pick up Processes that are very people dependent, so to say, uh, and digitize them so that you know uh, we are bring we are able to bring in more efficiencies at lower costs.
0: Yeah, and I think you raised a really interesting point there because in previous episodes I've spoken to people in the collection space about the move to digital and how having a nice app or having an online process allows consumers to. Interact more without the sort of nerves of phoning up and talking to somebody face to face. It means more people are talking to collections earlier so we can help solve problems before it's too late. But you also brought up a point I hadn't yet thought of, but which is in hindsight, quite obvious that these costs, the manual process costs are part of the reason microloans were, were non profitable and therefore not available in the past. So it's not just about helping collections, but if you've got a, Cheap, low-cost way of collecting any money. More people can come in, and I think that's also a really good message to remind ourselves that operational cost savings are not just about operations. It can mean that allows us to grow more. So, yeah, thanks for calling that out.
1: Well, absolutely. There there are now clients of ours who don't have people on the collection side or the armies of people that they would keep earlier, right? So, uh, there are companies who are coming up and saying, uh, Neil, uh, with your tech, I can go to market very quickly. Which will help me bring down my costs. So, so we, we definitely started off with that with that niche of smartphones to purchase and to help, you know, the underbanked, unbanked to to get their first loans. But what we realize is that the operating system for debt collections is helping uh, a lot of new age fintechs also go to market very quickly. Again, catering to that segment, that that kind of also kind of gives us excitement that you know we are able to bring impact to people and, and see that. Happening on ground,
0: yeah, Neil. I'm sure it is exciting. It's exciting for me just to listen to. So, I wish you the best of luck for that. If people are listening and they want to learn more about data culture, where can they go to reach out to speak to you or to learn more information?
1: i well, happy to happy to uh, you know interact with with anyone who who's interested to uh, know more about uh, us. We uh, can directly write to me at Neil. Uh, that's N E E L at the rate dataculture dot com. That's D A T A. C U L T R dot com. We'll, we'll be really happy to receive uh, emails from, from your listeners and, and respond to them.
0: Great. And now put the links and, and details in the show notes as well. Neil, thank you again for your time today. It was wonderful chatting to you, and I, I wish you the best of luck.
1: Thanks, Brendan. Uh, great chatting with you uh, as well.
0: And thank you all for listening. If you enjoyed that, please do rate and review on your preferred podcast platform and share widely, including on LinkedIn. And while you're there, Send me a connection request. The show is written and recorded by myself, Brendan LaGrange, in Brighton, England, and edited with assistance by Kane Hunter. Show music is by I Am Wake, and you can find full written transcripts now in several languages, show notes, and more content at www.howtolendmoneytostrangers.show. And I'll see you again next Thursday.